Before we get started with today's show, I'd like to give my deepest condolences to the friends and family of Fantasy Pros podcast host Mike Tagliere, who passed away on Friday after a long battle with COVID-19. Tags, as he was known, was a bright light of positivity in the fantasy football industry and someone who I've admired and looked up to for a long time. I'd be hard-pressed to find someone who cared more about their craft, but on top of excellent analysis, Tags was also an incredible human being. This tragic news prompted so many to share their stories of a time when he supported, advised, or generally made a positive impact on them in the industry. Tags was well-liked by everyone, and he will be deeply missed. Linked in the podcast description is a GoFundMe page for support of the Tagliere family. We'll miss you, Tags. Rest in peace. So obviously a tough announcement to move on from, and there's really no good way to transition from this into today's scheduled episode, but I have got an episode to put out for you guys in which I'll be going over news and reactions from week three, as well as previewing some week four waiver wire picks. So again, a tough announcement to move on from. There's no good way to transition into the show, but we will get into this week's week three reactions and week four waiver wire episode. Welcome to another edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host here with you as always. And in today's show, I'll be recapping week three, talking some news and reactions as always, before getting into the week four waiver wire picks that I have, my top five waiver wire picks for the week. Uh, This should be an exciting episode. A lot of reactions to get into as always. And the fantasy football season is in full swing. We're through three weeks, got some news, got some injuries, unfortunately, and got a lot to talk about as there were more crazy happenings in the fantasy football world. So we'll get, uh, I guess, right into that. Um, Again, three pieces of news here. One, an interesting signing. The other two about injuries um, and reactions. Got a lot to discuss. And yeah, I've got my top five waiver wire picks. So I guess I repeated myself a little bit there. So I guess let's get right into it. Um, Let's start with talking some news. Three pieces of news to, uh, to talk about today. The first one, Josh Gordon has been reinstated by the NFL for like the 50,000th time. Um, and But he is expected to sign with the, wait for it, Kansas City Chiefs. This news broke today when I'm recording. It's Monday. So yesterday for you guys, this is big, big news for fantasy football. And I think a lot of people are going to try. There's going to be reactions all over the spectrum for this news. A lot of people are going to try not to overreact. A lot of people are all in. I personally am very excited for Josh Gordon for the rest of the season. Yes, historically, Kansas City has not supported a fantasy football consistent wide receiver too. But Josh Gordon will have the opportunity to step into the role as the third target on that team. And I think it's going to be worth it because I don't think Kansas City has had a wide receiver I know Kansas City hasn't had a wide receiver two of his pedigree in the Mahomes era. Um, Josh Gordon, obviously, we know what he can do. In 2013, his big season, he put up 1,646 yards and nine receiving touchdowns on just 14 games played. But obviously, he's had trouble with suspensions and drugs and stuff like that. Um, And he's been with various teams. But 
Let's look back to 2019, the most recent time we saw Josh Gordon. It was in New England with the uh, Tom Brady-led Patriots. Josh Gordon played six games for the team. He started all of them. And while he did start off a little slow, he still wound up with averaging six targets per game. He had 20 catches for 287 yards and a touchdown. So, I mean, that obviously not great numbers overall. That's like a, um, if I can do my math, it's like a 53 target pace or a 53 reception pace for the season. But I mean, the target pace is obviously a little bit better at like, um, if I can do more math, like 85 or so. Uh, So that's not too bad of a pace. And keep in mind that he did start off that year, um, like not struggling, but just sort of getting used to playing football again. So I wouldn't expect Josh Gordon to produce right away, but he needs to be rostered in the leagues that you're in. Like, here, I'm looking at the game log for uh, New England. He had four targets and five to start the year. Then his next three games, 11, 7, and 8. Then in week six, he left that game early, I believe, and only had one target. But in his last three full games um, with New England, before going over to Seattle, where he didn't really produce, he still had 26 targets. And this was two years ago. And we've keeping in mind what we've seen from Josh Gordon and the ceiling that's there and the high-powered offense he is coming into, I think he's well worth the roster spot. You should, especially if you're in a deeper league, spend some fab on him. Um, I would put a small bid on him, even if you're in like a 16-man roster redraft league. Um, But yeah, Josh Gordon is a top waiver wire pickup for this week. I don't actually have it written down in the waiver wire section, but I think if I did, he would probably be ranked um, either number two or number three. So I've got my top five ranked without him, but he is uh, between he was either my second or third highest waiver wire pickup um, this week. And yeah, this is some recent news, but I'm very excited. I think Gordon has still got, I mean, it's, it's hard to tell, but I mean, he's not like he isn't in football shape. He played in like that. I think that's fan control football league last year. It's not like he's like, hasn't played football in forever. And even if he hadn't, this is an incredible talent that we're talking about. So even we don't know if his problems are going to be a thing of the past. We've thought he's been reinstated numerous times already, but I think, um, I think it's, it's just, it's, it's a hard situation obviously, but I think he still has a lot of upside and it's hard while it's hard to judge. He's overall worth a pickup. AJ Brown is week to week with a hamstring injury. He left the game, unfortunately early after scoring 0.3 fantasy points, um, got ruled out. A short while later, and now he's week to week. This isn't good, obviously. I think if I had to predict, I'd say A.J. Brown is not playing this week, but this isn't going to be something that they're going to put him on the injured reserve for. Short-term impacts, obviously it hurts Ryan Tannehill, but the good thing is that Tannehill still does have Julio Jones to throw to, and A.J. Brown wasn't especially productive um, through the first part of the season. I think if you don't have A.J. Brown, he's worth a buy low because through the first two weeks of the season, he's been getting some targets, but just not able to connect on a very long, especially like big play with Ryan Tannehill. That's coming. The A.J. Brown weeks are coming. There's no denying his talent. He's so good after the catch. Ryan Tannehill will throw the ball to him. And it's not like Julio Jones is going to take all the targets because Corey Davis left this team. He was a target hog. The first read on a lot of plays. And um, A.J. Brown uh, it, it's, was like... It tended to be more of the second read. You'd have a lot of four reception games last year, but he still ended up putting wide receiver one numbers up on the board. Anyway, I expect that to continue this year. So he's, uh, I think, worth the pie low. Just send, send an offer. Test the waters. Uh, kick the tires. That's what I was looking for. The phrase I was looking for. Uh, last piece of news. Christian McCaffrey is out multiple weeks with a hamstring injury, but the Panthers opted not to place him on IR. This means that 
they are at least hopeful that McCaffrey gets back only missing two games because the three week IR would ensure he misses at least three. So this is interesting. I mean, this is good that Christian McCaffrey avoided a worst case scenario here really stinks to see him injured again, but um, he was, when he was on the field, despite not even scoring very many touchdowns, he was just absolutely electric for fantasy. Like he's clearly head and shoulders above any other fantasy football running back. And so the most valuable player to have on your roster when healthy so um, not the end of the world here for McCaffrey owners. I would say two to three weeks, probably what he's going to miss based on this. Uh, I'm not, no guarantee that he obviously gets back in the timeline that they're hoping, but I think he misses at least two, maybe three weeks. All right, that's the news. Let's get into reactions, then I'll talk waiver wire. Whoa, click the drop early. Okay, I talked all the way through the drop because I clicked the drop early and like I like was pulling up the like soundboard, clicked it early and like scared myself. And I just like jumped out of my chair. I was like, oh, my gosh, that scared me. I scared myself with my clicking my own drop. So there's that. Let's do reactions. Uh, Mike Williams and Cooper Cup continue their dominance, finishing as the wide receiver one and wide receiver two on the week and a half point PPR. Cooper Cup, I said it last week. I say it again. I cannot believe that we as a fantasy industry and me specifically as well slept on Cooper cup the way we did. It should have been a perfect situation. I mean, for me, I would say I still thought Cooper cup was the top option in this Rams offense. So I have no idea why I didn't rank him higher with a great quarterback in Matthew Stafford who can push the ball downfield. He really was projected to elevate the Rams to the next level. Cooper cup is an explosive player and I am just, I'm disappointed in myself. This could be like a Stefan Diggs miss. Cooper cup is the wide receiver one overall through the first three weeks of the season. Mike Williams is the wide receiver too, by the way. So Cooper Cup is an amazing player. He was a guy I was a fan of more last year than this year, but I, I'm, we missed on Cooper Cup. I was wrong. I was too low on Cooper Cup. Uh, let's talk Mike Williams, though. He continues to be electric. In the first two weeks, uh, Mike Williams had 22 targets. He put up uh, over 18 half PPR points. In both games, then in week three, seven receptions for 122 yards and two touchdowns. This guy is insane. It's finally here. The breakout Justin Herbert's wide receiver two is finally here. And um, Justin Herbert is playing at a top tier level as well. So both of these guys on the rise. Alexander Madison shines in Dalvin Cook's absence. I believe Madison had 131 rushing yards, something crazy like that. Uh, he looked uh, very similar to Dalvin Cook when he played, to be quite honest. And he established himself as one of the better backups in the league. I think Dalvin Cook gets back on the field this week, but Madison proving he is worthy of a roster spot. Texans running back struggled to get going in a Thursday night loss. Mark Ingram led the team with 2.5 half PPR points. Um, it wasn't pretty. This team couldn't run much. Uh, Davis Mills wasn't able to get too much going. Mark Ingram, six carries for 21 yards and one reception for negative one yards led the team. So not much in that game for the Texans running backs. He can't start any of them right now. Kyle Pitts had just two catches on three targets against the Giants. For a while, Kyle Pitts was without a target. He ended up getting 35 yards. This is concerning for sure. But once again, I want to say it again. We can't or not doubting Kyle Pitts' talent. This is a guy who got drafted number four overall by the Falcons over pretty much any other any other possible prospect I could have imagined. He was the first non-quarterback off the board, basically. And he's a tight end. This proves how generational he is. And he is regarded as perhaps the best tight end prospect to ever enter the draft. I know he struggled this week, 
but he has generally been getting a good target share. He still hasn't gotten in the end zone. When he has been catching the ball, it hasn't been in short passes. It has been on intermediate, longer ones. Like, take this week, two receptions for 35 yards. He's getting chunk gains. Uh, last week, five receptions for 73 yards. These look like field stretcher wide receiver numbers, not generic tight end numbers, which is great to see because Kyle, this means Kyle Pitts doesn't need to have an insane reception total to be good. Um, he's worth a buy low right now. His value is never going to get lower than this. I said it last week. If you waited, now you've got another chance because his value is probably lower than it was. And um, yeah, I like Kyle Pitts as a buy low. He'll get back. He'll get back to it. Don't worry. He will be fine. Jamar Chase. Speaking of uh, um, highly rated rookies who were completely faded, Jamar Chase grabs two more touchdowns in an excellent performance, uh, finishing as the wide receiver five on the week. I am officially here to take my victory lap on Jamar Chase. Applause, please. Thank you very much. Quite a crowd we've got here. Um, Jamar Chase is the fantasy football wide receiver five on the season. He has been catching deep balls from Joe Burrow. He has been great um, over the first three games. Let me look at his exact target total. Um, Jamar Chase was the, uh, he, he had, um, I know he had 11 receptions on how many targets though is the question he had. Sorry, I should have had this number in front of me. 16 targets. So not too bad, but he, when you consider that he's been targeted deep, like his lines, five receptions for under one yards, a touchdown, two receptions for 54 yards, a touchdown, four receptions for 65 yards, two touchdowns. Um, he has just been absolutely great. And I only expect that target share number to get better. I mean, while Jamar Chase isn't much of a separator, Joe Burrow is going to get more and more comfortable with just lobbing him the ball downfield and trusting that Jamar Chase will go and get it. I had Jamar Chase ranked as my fantasy football wide receiver 16 this year when his consensus was at 31. I will take all the glory and my take that Jamar Chase, my bold take that Jamar Chase will lead the Bengals receivers in fantasy and finishes a top 15 wide receiver on the year. Looking real, real nice right now. DK Metcalf came back with a great reek after an incredibly hot start to week three. Metcalf has been a bit inconsistent over the first couple of weeks of the season, um, but now in week three, putting up good numbers. He is now the wide receiver 16 on the season. Um, I was a Metcalf boom week looked good here against, uh, I guess the Titans and, um, or no, excuse me, the Vikings, not the Titans. And when Tyler Lockett got hurt, it only helped him. But DK, even early in that game, had like five receptions for 88 yards and a score in the second quarter. He was great. Um, DK Metcalf, fire him up in your starting lineup if you have him. DJ Moore and Brandon Cooks were both heavily targeted in their games. DJ Moore already had had like 100 yards at the half of that Thursday night game. He ended up with eight catches for 126 yards. He is just elite. He Maybe not elite, but he is pretty darn close. He's just... So good and electric, just a very, very solid wide receiver all around. Then Brandon Cooks, again, putting up in another 100-yard game, nine receptions for 112 yards. This is just what he does. No more fading Brandon Cooks. I faded Brandon Cooks too much in the preseason. Um, I just didn't see his upside as being there, but he has proven that it is. Uh, I think the lesson from – one of the early lessons from this year, don't doubt good players on bad teams too much. Brandon Cooks, DeAndre Swift, there are your examples – um, and TJ Hawkinson as well. All the narratives against them were bad team, bad offense, not going to score. They've been great so far. Brandon Ayuk finished as a top 24 receiver on the week. Chris is happy, I'm sure. 
except he probably benched him in the leagues that he had him. So maybe not so happy. Ayuk uh, had four catches, found the end zone um, on six targets and one rush for eight yards. That's looking a little bit more like the Brandon Ayuk we like to see. I don't think he can be started yet, but I think he's getting there where maybe he's going to be starting to be involved. And in a week or two, it's time to start. And I hope you sold Debo Samuel because with Ayuk now back involved, we're not going to see the same consistent production from Debo Samuel that we did in the past. Uh, I recommended selling Samuel on last week's episode. And, oh, I don't even think he ended up having a very good game. Yeah, he ended up as the wide receiver 46 on the week. So I really, really hope you took the advice and sold Debo Samuel. Five of 10 targets for 52 yards ain't fast, but I don't think it gets better after those first two incredible weeks. Um, Cream Hunt went off as the fantasy football RB one of the week, 10 carries, six receptions. This is what Kareem Hunt can do. He's not a bad flex play if you need one. His uh, touch upside isn't always going to be there, but the fact that he can be involved in the passing game in two-minute drill means that if he is efficient with 10 carries for 81 yards like he had this week, you can have a good week from Kareem Hunt. Najee Harris gets 19 targets. I thought that was a mistake at first when I saw it. It must have been a typo. Um, With Deontay Johnson out, Najee Harris took all of the short targets, and even if the RB4 on the week and a half PPR, um, I'm sure even higher in full. Oh my goodness, 14 catches on 19 targets for Najee Harris is ridiculous. He is great, um, and he can be a top 12 running back for the rest of the season now. Uh, Sam Darnold and Kirk Cousins continue stretches of good games. Cousins has had three games with 22 or more fantasy points and four, four, four points for passing touchdown leagues. Darnold, three games with 18 or more, um, and we're taught Cousins in the waiver wire. Darnold's also worth a pickup. Mark Andrews eclipses 100 yards, finishes at the tight end two on a week, and he didn't actually have a touchdown, so playing great, 109 yards. This is what we expected, seeing Mark Andrews get back in there. I actually just traded for Mark Andrews this week in my redraft league. I did trade Kyle Pitts. Sorry, guys, but I got a good offer, and I'm fine with it because Mark Andrews was also a good buy low, as it turned out. Finally, Allen Robinson struggles in week three, catching two of six targets. It's going to be tough for Allen Robinson with atrocious quarterback play. Justin Fields was six for 20 passing. The Browns brought the house time and time again on Justin Fields, exploiting by far his biggest weakness, which is decision-making against the Blitz. To be fair, the play calling for Fields was terrible by Matt Nagy. He wasn't utilizing his mobility. But when you see what happens when Justin Fields gets turned into a pocket passer and can't just use his speed to get out of a situation, then his decision-making is flat-out terrible. It was partially Fields' fault for not being able to compose himself against the Blitz, partially the offensive line's fault for not being able to protect against the Blitz, and partially Matt Nagy's fault for playing not to Fields' strengths, but to Fields' weaknesses, which was absolutely mind-boggling given that he picked Justin Fields in the draft. But overall, it showed you the absolute worst-case scenario that I talked about in this offseason for Justin Fields. I hope he gets better. He's a freak athlete, incredibly talented player, and I think if with better play calling, he can do better than six for 20 for sure. Um, but I mean, you saw his weakness on display. Uh, but yeah, and Allen Robinson is just, oh, would I even start him now? I mean, they completed six passes. I think you have to. If there's someone like a high upside receiver or a breakout guy, like if you have Mike Williams, go ahead and start him over Allen Robinson. But if you don't have any other options, I guess you really have no choice but to keep him in. It's unfortunate. Um, let's move on to waiver wire. 
funny how I, when I want to click a drop, I take an extra second to try to find it, but then reactions just plays over while I'm talking. Um, waiver wire, number one, Chuba Hubbard, the backup to Christian McCaffrey. Hubbard will play a couple weeks, and he looked solid against the Texans. Got like 11 carries for like 52 yards, also had three catches. Getting a solid like workload, what we saw with Mike Davis last year. Chupa Hubbard is worth a pickup because he is startable in fantasy over the next couple of weeks. A very short-term guy, but as a running back, he still, still makes number one on this list. Number two is Kirk Cousins. Kirk, in my opinion, has now at least temporarily brought himself out of the streaming, streaming category and into the um, potentially like start for a good number of weeks category where he should be rostered on someone's fantasy team. Cousins is the QB five on the season. That's all you really need to know. I mean, he's been excellent for fantasy football. He deserves to be on a roster. Sammy Watkins. Um, surprisingly, Sammy Watkins has 22 targets over the first weeks, three weeks of the season. Rashad Bateman could be back this week. Keep that in mind. But if he's not, Sammy Watkins could be worth a start just because of the target share he's been getting. Uh, speaking of target share, we got Tim Patrick as well. Patrick's been getting four or five catches a game for a little while now. He's been great last season too. Now that KJ Hamler's hurt, his status is unclear along with Jerry Judy. Tim Patrick is worth an ad. And finally, we can talk Brian Edwards at number five. Edwards is a deep sleeper, but he has been getting some work. Um, he is available in 13. All of these guys are available in 40% or less VSPN leagues. Edwards avail or in in 60%, all of these guys are owned in 40% or less of ESPN leagues. Edwards is available in about 86% of them. He's had 10 catches on um, 13 targets through the first three weeks of the season. He has actually eclipsed 80 yards in two of the, those games. He's getting some work on deep balls. So he's worth a stash. Uh, he hasn't been too great yet, but a deeper sleeper. And if you want to add someone else, I mean, Zach Pascal has also had a solid target share and been getting some targets in the red zone. So he's a good, safer wide receiver ad to get. And then Josh Gordon, of course. I think I would put Josh Gordon either behind Hubbard or behind Hubbard and Cousins in terms of my rankings. I'm excited for him. So I might actually put him... Oh, yeah, that's hard. He's right around where Kirk Cousins is. All right, that's the end of the show. I guess it depends on your team needs. That's the end of the show. Thank you guys for listening. Follow me on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF. Um, you can follow the podcast at SGF pod, the live show at SG sports talk, second goal sports talk on YouTube is where you can find it. Um, again, check the podcast description for the GoFundMe for support of the family of Mike Tagliere. Um, thank you everyone for listening. I'll see you again on Thursday with the week four preview episode. So thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.